Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. If we are being completely honest with ourselves, we would probably say there is a little bit of skepticism at times about Georgia's ability to recruit the offensive side of the ball as well as it recruits the defensive side of the ball. And if we're just being honest, some of the reasons for feeling that way are perhaps well-founded. We know that Georgia got very far down the process with five-star quarterback Dylan Raiola in the 2024 class. He was a longtime commit to Georgia. He moved to the state of Georgia. And then at the last minute, he flipped back to kind of the legacy program there at Nebraska. Georgia's top seven, I think it is, top seven signees here for the class of 2024 are all on defense. They're all players you really love, you're really glad to have. But this class overall is sort of in keeping with kind of what you've kind of come to expect from Georgia, which are the elite top-level prospects that Georgia signs in the given class are likely to be on defense. And on offense, it's just sort of a little bit different caliber of prospect. Now, fair to point out that while that may be true from a recruiting standpoint, at least when it comes to skill position players, the actual results would suggest that Georgia's doing just fine. Georgia was like second in the SEC in points per game here this season, right at 40 points once again, the same way they were the two years prior to that with Todd Munkin. So results-wise, there's no problem at all with the Georgia offense. But from a recruiting standpoint, the kind of excitement, the pizzazz that you get from Georgia with defensive recruits, you know, typically always get when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. So that's sort of the backstory as Georgia looks ahead of the class of 2025. And perhaps the most famous member of that 2025 class, the newly minted member of the 2025 class, reclassified recently from the class of 2026, that's Julian Juju Lewis, who many of you may be aware is planning to visit Georgia here this weekend. Uh, fresh off reclassifying, announced a bunch of visits. I believe he's already taken one to Colorado. I believe that's the case. And the first visit he actually announced once he reclassified was this visit here to Georgia this particular weekend. There are a lot of big-time players coming into UGA this weekend. Of course, Georgia hosts South Carolina basketball on Saturday. A lot of those guys will probably show up there for that. We'll talk to Jeff Sintel more about all of this here coming up in just a moment. But let me begin, though, by kind of saying this. Obviously, I'm not going to make a prediction of, well, I'm here to tell you right now, Julian Juju Lewis going to flip away from USC and all these other programs that are fighting for uh, Juju. Georgia's going to beat them all, and Lewis ends up signing with Georgia here for this class of 2025. I'm not really in a position to make that prediction for you here today, but I do want to say this, that as you kind of move into this upcoming year, I would say it's probably appropriate to take Georgia pretty seriously in this recruitment. I want to quickly sort of give you three reasons why I think that's the case. And then later on, we'll talk to Jeff Sintel more about Lewis and the other guys coming in this weekend here in a moment. Here's reason number one. This is sort of a simple, straightforward reason. Georgia in the Kirby Smart era has already signed a quarterback like Lewis. That was Justin Fields. That didn't last very long, and he wasn't a starter. But we're talking about the recruiting process here right now. The ability to win with a player who kind of is at that level of like number one overall recruit in the country, which for a brief moment Fields was, eventually overtaken once again by Trevor Lawrence. But that's the level of player that Lewis sort of is right now. And Georgia in the Kirby Smart era has proven they can win with these kinds of recruits. And by the way, the version of Georgia that uh, won with Justin Fields for the class of 2018, a far different version, both in terms of actual tangible results, winning national championships, and producing 
statistical prowess on offense, this version of Georgia now is far different from what that Georgia version was way back then, but Georgia still won a battle for a quarterback like Fields, which is a very similar level of prospect to what Julian Lewis is right now. So that's sort of reason number one, is that Georgia could do this with Lewis because it's essentially done this before, which leads me to reason number two, as I said before. Georgia is just a better offensive team than it's been in the past. Georgia is scoring about 40 points per game. Offense was actually a very significant, I would say underrated reason why Georgia won national championships in 2021 and 2022. And we believe there's a possibility that 2024 unlocks something brand new for the Georgia offense. And like for the first time, probably in the Kirby era, we see a team at Georgia that's kind of led by quarterback, recognized as sort of a quarterback face of the team type situation in a way that really hasn't happened at all prior to this in the Kirby Smart era. Not because Georgia hasn't been getting good quarterback play. You know, Stetson Bennett will be remembered as sort of a historic figure, but just because Georgia just seems to be positioned to be led by a guy like Beck who could win the Heisman, who, you know, could be a very high first-round draft pick, if not the number one overall pick if things go well. This is just sort of the look that Georgia provides now. And you better believe it won't just be Georgia fans who are watching all of this play out. It'll be guys like Julian Lewis, too, because – If you want to come to Georgia because there is a proof of concept, if you want to come to Georgia because there is an opportunity to show or should say you have an opportunity to see what you could do at a place like this, if you want that, Carson Beck may provide that. I'm thinking back here for a moment to what Kirby Smart said when he was on the Atlanta radio station 92.9 The Game a few weeks ago about Beck's decision to come back. And the one thing in discussing that with the steakhouse that that Kirby brought up was – is that this was an incredible sort of propelling of momentum for the current Georgia offseason, but he also mentioned the idea that recruits would be paying close attention to this. So if you want to take seriously the idea that eventually Georgia could actually flip Julian Lewis, this uh, highly tied quarterback, away from USC and win the kind of big-time offensive recruiting battle that it often does on defense, perhaps the performance of Carson Beck one more time at Georgia could – sort of blaze the trail on all of that. This is what Smart said the other day on 92.9 in the game about what Beck's return means for UGA. It's a huge momentum builder. I think it gives a lot of confidence in the program that the things are headed in the right direction. He has enough confidence in, in us as coaches and, um, and as a staff to continue to uh, lead and direct him in the right direction. I mean, it's, it's, it's ultimately a business decision for him. He's looking at it as can he grow and extend his NFL career by being at Georgia another year, therefore being more prepared for the NFL when he goes? And I thought he did a real good job researching things. He had a lot of help around him uh, in terms of getting good information and not making an emotional decision. But, uh, I thought he, I mean, he, he could have come out and it would be the right decision for him. He could have stayed and it would be the right decision for him. There's no true right or wrong for him. I think he, he made the decision that, that, that fit him best. And uh, his long-term goals are to play a long time in the NFL, and he wants to prepare a little more and, and win some games while he's doing it. So it's certainly big for us because it had a, it had a major impact on not only recruiting, but, but guys deciding to stay with him. Face value. Listening to Kirby Smart right there. If things play out for back the way that Kirby Smart describes, of course quarterbacks like Julian Lewis will notice that. Of course, guys will see Beck, who, as Kirby said, could have left, could have gone to the NFL this year. 
but said, I want one more chance at Georgia to win some more games, perhaps win another national championship, and continue that development to be the best player I can get once I get to the NFL. As I said before, there's a chance that Beck you know, kind of cracks into an area of the first round that very few Georgia quarterbacks uh, have been in, and maybe none have been in since Matthew Stafford. There's a chance that what that's what Beck is about to do for Georgia here this year. So if you're doing that with your current quarterback, of course you have a chance to impress a future quarterback like Julian Juju Lewis. Then one final point to make here, and this is perhaps bigger than just Lewis. I sort of wonder if we are about at the precipice, to use probably a bigger word than I should, I wonder if we're about at the precipice here of kind of a new era for Georgia in terms of how it uses NIL to win recruiting battles such as this. Because elephant in the room here. You are not winning for a quarterback like Lewis or any player of that magnitude right now unless you're playing NIL at the highest level. Now, we have every reason to believe that Georgia is competitive from an NIL standpoint with any program that's out there, no matter what you may be hearing in other places. We believe that Georgia, while sort of judicious and perhaps a little cautious in terms of the way it throws dollars around, is certainly capable of competing with anyone. But we sort of wonder if, kind of like what's being said about Ohio State right now, whether it's true or not, We sort of wonder around here if Georgia is ready to kind of have its own coming out party moment as it relates to some really forceful, aggressive spending on the NIL front to win with the kinds of players that you can't win with unless you're a major player in the NIL. There are a couple of reasons why I think this is true. Reason number one is, is because Lewis is the kind of recruit potentially that could unlock the sort of thing we really haven't seen in the NIL space as of late or so far as of yet, uh, we haven't really seen. And that's the big brands, the sort of national, in some cases, global companies spending on players who are famous enough to get their attention. For the most part, the sort of sponsorship dollars, the true NIL, the sort of sponsorship dollars that are out there are kind of on a local or a regional level. That's because most college football players, while they're incredibly famous to all of us, they are sort of only famous at that sort of local, regional level. They don't get the national, global attention. Uh, Lewis could be different. I'll show you a quick example why on the screen if you're watching on video. Uh, first of all, uh, uh, let's talk about the Classic City Collective here first because you want to go back to a couple of weeks ago when there was all the chatter about Caleb Downs, things like that. At the time, the Classic City Collective said uh, that in terms of bringing in dollars, yesterday was our biggest day ever in terms of new members. They say, but we're not done yet. Let's keep the good news flowing and the dogs on top. So ultimately, Georgia did not get Downs, but clearly Georgia fans right now are kind of connecting the notion of, hey, if I want my program to have the best opportunity to get the biggest recruits, then if I'm capable of giving, if I've got the discretionary income that allows me to give, then giving to these NIL efforts or getting my business involved in these NIL opportunities, that's one of the best things that we can do. The Classic City Collective was celebrating that the other day. And as I said a a moment ago, it may not just be the sort of local regional type companies or the sort of, you know, uh, typical money backs boosters who are doing this. We could see a larger level of business involvement around Georgia maybe in the future. And part of the reason why is the overall fame of a player like Lewis and potentially other players are going to be coming down the pipe here. I saw where Lewis has his own like trading card now. Now this is a guy that technically speaking is still a sophomore in high school. And yet he's all, this is, uh, this is leave. Now I'm a big card fan. So I find this kind of stuff to be pretty fascinating. 
the idea that Julian Lewis has his RC, his rookie card, so to speak, as a uh, sophomore in high school, that's already out there. That's the level of fame that a guy like Lewis has right now, and that's the kind of potential that could be unlocked on the NIL front for Georgia, both in terms of sort of moneyed boosters, you know, local and regional companies, perhaps some global and national companies there on the way on that. So for me, that's three reasons why I think I would take Georgia's pursuit of uh, Lewis pretty serious right now that uh, Georgia's done this kind of thing before as it relates to a guy like Justin Fields. Georgia's got a lot more to offer quarterbacks now than it has in the past. And Georgia may be truly about ready to unlock a bunch of stuff on the NIL front here, too. That could be fun to see. Now, let me shift gears and talk about something completely different here for a moment. Because uh, moving away from recruiting into the on-field product for Georgia in 2024, there is a lot of reason to be pretty optimistic about a fascinating new schedule that Georgia's about to play. The one thing we've said over and over again is, is that on paper, the Georgia schedule for 2024 is the toughest the program's probably ever, uh, ever, ever played. And for almost all of the major championship contenders in both the SEC and the Big Ten, this is going to be true for this upcoming year. It's also going to be true for almost every year moving forward. Schedules for the very best teams are just getting tougher. Uh, that is certainly very true. What we've said is, hey, the Georgia schedule is probably so tough. You think about you know neutral site game against Clemson, road games against Alabama and uh, Ole Miss and Texas. You think about games like that. It's so tough that Georgia almost certainly will lose a game at some point in time. Well, that may be the conventional wisdom on all of this, but when you look at some of the early data that's out there in terms of point spread projections and maybe early predictions, you know, Georgia may lose a game, but they are not currently favored to lose a game, at least among the biggest games that are out there. I thought you might find this interesting. Let me show you a couple of these. This comes from our friends at FanDuel. Starting with the Georgia game, uh, neutral site to begin the season against Clemson. Georgia right now in Mercedes-Benz Stadium for that game is listed as a 12-and-a-half-point favorite over Clemson. This is fascinating because when Georgia played Clemson to open the 2021 season, neutral site there, Clemson was favored over Georgia. Things have really changed here, though, over the course of the last three seasons to the point now where Georgia is essentially a two-touchdown favorite in a neutral site game. Uh, the two fortunes of the program's almost completely reversed, and if not, Georgia taking it to an even higher level to the point now they are a heavy favorite over Clemson to begin the season. But not only that, when Georgia goes on the road, Alabama, the first SEC game ever for Kalen DeBoer, Bama in its own stadium, rarely uh, an underdog, rarely even less than a sizable favorite. But against Georgia that day, Georgia pretty solid favorite here. Three and a half points right now, according to FanDuel, when Georgia goes into Bryant-Denny Stadium on September the 28th. We've also said that the Texas game is probably Georgia's toughest game overall, but right now Georgia's also listed as a favorite against Texas as well, courtesy of FanDuel. Georgia a point-and-a-half favorite in Austin in October. Longhorns trying to do everything they can to keep the Georgia fans out of uh, Darrell Royal Stadium that day. They're having the game the same weekend as the F1 race, things like that. But it doesn't stop Georgia right now from being the point spread favorite there in Austin. Then finally, the game against Ole Miss. Ole Miss, the other kind of big game on the Georgia schedule here right now. Ole Miss been very active in the transfer portal, but not enough to make Georgia you know, less than a three-and-a-half point favor in Vaught-Hemingway Stadium there relatively late in the 2024 season. So pretty fascinating stuff, I would say, from the standpoint that we would look at this Georgia schedule. We would say, never been tougher, almost certainly going to lose a game. But even with that said, 
Georgia is still based on you know a, a sports book like FanDuel, FanDuel, who's forced to put its money where its mouth is in terms of its projections. It's still going to have Georgia favored in every single game, and this stuff we've talked about of oh my gosh, going on the road to face Texas. Texas got Quinn Ewers coming back, and Texas was in the college football playoff this past year, and all of that kind of chatter. All of that means is that Georgia is still just a small favorite. Not an underdog, not expected to lose, just a small favorite. It gives you an idea how strong on paper Georgia is to begin the upcoming season. Now, none of this, of course, is a guarantee of anything, but it is a reminder that when you look ahead of the upcoming year, Georgia is as much of a national championship contender as it's ever been, facing tougher competition in the regular season than maybe almost anyone's ever played. But at least according to the experts, Georgia still has a chance to win them all. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Kroger. We are happy to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video. We do mean live again, 10 a.m. We're glad to be able to do that with you. Of course, 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app, radio, Athens Sports Radio, 96 of the Ref, podcast, wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. Just really happy to have you with us. All of that here today, no matter how you're getting to our program, so much fun to be able to do that with you. And by the way, big thanks to our friends at Kroger who make all of this possible. And speaking of Kroger, want to give you a heads up about some fun things going on this month with Kroger Chef Junior. Now, what Kroger Chef Junior is, it's a guided kids cooking experience. Now, I have kids. Many of you have kids. You kind of know this. Sometimes it's a little bit hard to get kids who want to eat healthy things that are good for them. But what we found is is that when kids are involved with the food preparation process, they're actually a little bit more interested in eating the things that they cook. I know we've found this to be true in our house. We're not always the healthiest eaters, but nonetheless, we've kind of found that, hey, kids like the food preparation process. They're interested in that. It's a good way to learn you know, all kinds of things, but it's also a good way to get engaged with foods that are just good for you and that taste good as well. And that's what Kroger Chef Jr. is all about. This month, making pineapple salsa. That's February 3rd. That's coming up tomorrow. And then again on February 17th, which happens to be Michael Jordan's birthday, but that's different story for a different day. The point is, it's a guided kid cook cooking experience. It's just $7 per child. And if you go to KrogerChefJr.com, you can find out more about that. The word junior spelled out J-U-N-I-O-R. Pineapple soft salsa is the uh, item here this month. And then in addition to that, your child also gets the apron, the patch, the chef's hat, and a chopper. That Doesn't that sound good? Uh, uh, who doesn't need a chopper in their life? So all of that for you. Check out KrogerChefJr.com. $7 per child twice this month, including tomorrow. Uh, to get a chance to make some pineapple sauce, a fun experience for you and your kid there. We appreciate Kroger being a part of Dog Nation Daily here today. Now, we also appreciate Jeff Sintel being a part of our program, too. We're going to connect with Jeff here in just a moment. We'll talk about Julian Lewis. We'll talk about other recruits here for the class of 2025 who are going to be in Athens here this weekend. Jeff's also had some really good stuff at dognation.com the last couple of days and a good story coming on uh, David Sanders there, too. So we'll cover a lot of that with Jeff here in just a moment. Prior to that, though, let's go around the doghouse. And around the doghouse here today is poured by our friends at the Finish Long Drink. Now, a moment ago, I talked about reasons that Georgia fans have to be pretty happy about the upcoming season. Tough schedule. Oh, you got all these tough road games. But Georgia is still favored in all of them. I think there is a possibility here. There could be quite a chasm both for this upcoming season and in future years between Georgia and almost every other kind of perennially contending team. Now, clearly, there are going to be new challengers emerge within the SEC, within the national landscape. I'm not trying to tell you that it's going to be just easy for Georgia moving forward. 
But when you do look around here for a moment and you look at who's to the left of Georgia, who's to the right of Georgia, who's chasing down Georgia, you've never been less intimidated by the current competition than perhaps you are right now. It just seems like Kirby stands on a mountain in the sport that uh, is just far higher than any of his other coaching contemporaries at the moment. Let me give you an example of this. There's a guy named Jesse Simonton. Jesse writes for On3, and we love any kind of ranking, especially this time of year. It's just good fodder for debate, and we do a lot of the who's the top coach in college football stuff. Jesse, I believe, is the first one to put out a list here for 2024, so he's gotten some attention for this here this week. But let me tell you the one thing that jumps out to me about this right away. So Kirby Smart, of course, is ranked number one, best coach currently in college football. But look at the guys behind him. Brian Kelly, LSU at two. Kirby's beaten Kelly three times as a coach here thus far. Kalen DeBoer at Alabama. DeBoer's clearly won games. You know, he got Washington the national championship. He deserves credit for that. But I still couldn't pick Kalen DeBoer out of a lineup. I know who he is. I don't really know what he looks like. He's just not that prominent of a figure around the sport right now. Maybe he is the third best coach in the sport, but if that is the case, that sort of tells you how how you know scarce the true great coaches in college football are if this relative anonymous unknown has climbed the ladder there that quickly. DeBoer is just not really on our radar as of yet. Perhaps that change is not Alabama. Ryan Day at Ohio State. Day's a smart coach, pains me to admit, but he does know offensive football. But the truth is, he hasn't won anything. The whole idea that you know uh, Jim Harbaugh kind of, uh, you know, kind of chided him about being born on third base. If there was ever someone who truly was born on third but thinks they hit a home run, it is Ryan Day. He has almost no tangible accomplishment to his name whatsoever, and yet he's apparently the fourth best coach in college football. If that's true, we don't know that it is or if it isn't, but if that's true, that speaks to how wide the chasm is between Kirby and other coaches. You get to Steve Sarkeesian, who may be a coach on the rise. Hasn't happened yet, though. Dabo Sweeney is sixth on this list. He has two national championships, but as we told you, he's also a two-touchdown underdog to Georgia to begin the season. He seems to be on his way down on this list. Mike Norvell comes in at number seven, seventh best coach in college football, and Kirby Smart just beat him by 10 touchdowns. So that kind of tells you all you need to know there. Kyle Whittingham's a total non-factor at Utah. Lincoln Riley at USC. I'm not even sure that USC fans like Lincoln Riley right now, and yet somehow he's supposed to be the ninth best coach in the sport. And then Lane Kiffin, who's mostly, mostly a social media jokester, comes in at number 10. These are Kirby's coaching contemporaries right now. Now, I think it's interesting that Dan Lanning's not on this list. I'd say Lanning may be the biggest overall threat nationally to Georgia because of what Lanning can do in the recruiting trail and the fact that he's a pretty sharp coach. But for now, Lanning's not on this list. The other nine guys are. If that's Kirby's competition, how many national championships is Georgia about to win? I mean, I'm being serious here for a moment. Georgia's favorite in obviously every game this year and from that group, I mean, do you take Brian Kelly seriously, who can't even, you know, fake a Southern accent correctly? You know, do you take Kalen DeBoer seriously? He may force you to, but as of now, you know, DeBoer's a total unknown. Uh, Ryan Day, I mean, with hair dye spilling all over the place, I mean, do you take that seriously? I, I'm not here to tell you that this is not propaganda. I'm not here to tell you that someone's not going to emerge. But from the looks of things right there, there is plenty opportunity in the 12-team playoff era for Georgia to feast because not only is Kirby the best coach in college football, at least compared to, to that list of his supposed contemporaries, 
Nobody else uh, appears to be particularly close. I think that's a pretty interesting statement to make. Jesse Simonton from on three with his ranking of top 10 coaches in college football here right now. That is also around the doghouse, poured today by our friends at the Finish Laundry. Now, we're heading towards a weekend. We love weekends around here, and we love the Finish Laundry on our weekend. So if you're getting ready to you know, maybe get a little early basketball tailgate for Saturday, if you're going to sit around and watch some hoops, Probably the biggest weekend of the year, I think, in terms of uh, regular season college basketball. Georgia and South Carolina obviously involved in that. If you're sort of hanging out with friends here this weekend, weather's been nice last couple of days. I wonder if it's going to be nice this weekend. I honestly don't know. But uh, either way, the finished long drink goes great. So if you go to thelongdrink.com, you can find out where you can pick some up and find out which variety you want to try. The long drink cranberry, the long drink strong, long drink zero. That's no carbs, no sugar. My favorite, the long drink traditional, comes in a blue can, got a grapefruit flavor, a little bit of a gin kick, perhaps a little bit more than just a little bit of a gin kick. Either way, it's delicious. It's a ready-to-drink cocktail, fun category of beverage. It comes in a can, sort of looks like a beer, but it's not. It's a ready-to-drink cocktail. And in this fun category of beverage, there's no better flavor than our friends at the Finnish Long Drink. So make sure you try some. You can also, for a limited time, get the peach-flavored version of the Finnish Long Drink right there in the Peach State. Really good stuff. So go to thelongdrink.com, find out where you can pick some up. Put in your zip code, and you'll learn everything you need to about where you get all of that. We're big fans of the Finnish Long Drink, and we're thrilled to have them as a part of Dog Nation Daily. And by the way, speaking of uh, Georgia basketball, got the Georgia basketball here on the set one more time today, hoping for that win against South Carolina on Saturday and hoping that provides a backdrop for Georgia to have a very successful weekend of hosting uh, visitors and recruits. And speaking of all of that, Jeff Sintel's got all of the knowledge info we need about a big recruiting weekend coming up and, frankly, a pretty busy time for Georgia with in-home visits and things like that. But a bunch going on, so let's cover all of that ground with Jeff right now here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, Here's a DogNation.com insider. By the way, shout out to our great production team around here. We've been kind of joking, you know, new studio. You're trying to figure everything out and get used to it. And some of our camera angles are a good bit different than they were in our previous studio. And I've sort of joked that when I kind of turn to the side here to have our little, you know, guest conversation, the way the camera's positioned almost looks sort of like a security cam. It's like up in the corner a little bit. I feel like it's sort of shooting down on me a little bit, like I'm, you know, breaking into a convenience store or something. Uh, so nice uh, new angle here today. I, you love to see that. Uh, very nice. Now, people don't necessarily want to see it tight up, you know, close shot of my face. I'm not quite, really quite so sure that's much of a moneymaker. But nonetheless, uh, I think it's a little bit more intimate, makes the conversation feel better. You can see Eddie really well here. So uh, that's all really good and a great way for us to introduce Jeff Sintel here, too, as a part of Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. Good to have Jeff on video, too. Now, that's a face you always want to be able to see and show off to tens upon tens of thousands of people. Jeff, thanks for your time. Appreciate you being here. Uh, fascinating time for UGA recruiting. I, I'm glad to have you here to talk about it today. And so Jeff is muted. Now yeah, you got me laughing, brother. You got the hair gel, hair dye line from Ryan Day. You got moneymaker talk here after your round the doghouse settlement segment. 
Great to be with you on video, man. Great to be have, uh, having you here, too. So it's a lot of visitors for Georgia. The high-profile name is obviously Julian Juju Lewis. I started the show by saying Georgia fans are obviously kind of skeptical of, I think, sometimes Georgia's recruiting efforts on this side of the ball. You know, top seven signees all, all on defense, the class of 2024. All of them are bangers. But nonetheless, it's a you know kind of a little bit of a defensive-heavy class, which Georgia has a tendency to produce here. But I do take Georgia serious in this Lewis recruitment. I don't know that they will win it. It's not my prediction necessarily that they will you know but this idea that because the Riola thing went one way or because whatever else has kind of gone the other way I don't wave the white flag here in terms of Julian Lewis the first announced visit he put out after he reclassified to 2025 was to Georgia now he's already visited Colorado so that's not the first visit here of this period but it was his first announced visit to me symbolically that's got to mean at least a little something doesn't it well, I guess so, Brandon. He's actually been to Colorado, a lot of other places since then. I'm going to give you kind of two intersecting data points in my mind here with what I'm hearing, with what the trail, with what the grapevine, with what the real people chatter tell me, Brandon, not just the online chatter. I think there's a good chance that somebody's going to flip Julian Juju Lewis. I also think that behind the scenes, Julian and his camp have kind of warmed a little bit more to the idea of being a bulldog. Remember, he took two visits uh, last year to varying degrees of interest. Yeah, I saw one visit where he was basically eating chicken fingers or somewhere else, maybe even watching the USC game at halftime when Georgia was beating the brakes off somebody. But I don't know if those two things are connected. I think somebody can and maybe likely will flip Juju. I just don't know if it's the dogs in Athens. I think what's going to have to happen, it's it's the world we live in, Brandon. If you know, you have a term that sticks into my head, I don't know how you did it, but you lodged it into my head in terms of the phrase money whipping. There's going to be an NIL <laughs> component to this. There is. There, and I'm I'm not trying to tell people that there's no Easter bunny or tell people that yada yada yada, but <clears throat> I think there's going to be a significant NIL component to this. Um, the fact that there was an early commitment there to USC says a lot, but I think Juju looks at Georgia and he's like, man, if I just do what I do, and Brandon, it is very good quarterback play. Like, um, I remember talking to Joey King at Carrollton a couple years ago when Juju was just coming over the horizon, and I said, man, what do you think about this kid? And he's like, we went through a couple questions, but he eventually said, you know what? I do place him at this stage in the same category with Trevor Lawrence, and Joey's a little bit of a quarterback guru around the South. He's had some great ones. It's a different type of quarterback. I think Julian, and this is my honest thoughts about Julian. I wonder how much is he going to grow? Is he going to get 6'3", 6'4"? I don't think so. How much better is that scouting eval going to get? Listen, it's very good. I think he operates an offense with a lot on his shoulder, a lot of checks, a lot of protections, a lot of plays in the grab bag when he goes to the line. I think he has as much on a quarterback as any high school quarterback will ever have and maybe freshman, sophomore quarterbacks in the NCAA. Um, he operates and he thinks about a half second ahead of everywhere else. He is incredibly accurate. There's a wonderful story his dad told me about. They got this hallway in the old home they live in, and they basically, the hallway's maybe 10 to 12 yards. It's maybe two yards wide. And all they did was drill thousands and thousands of passes from different arm angles into the hallway, out of the hallway. And that's where that great, 10 out of a scale of maybe 9.9 out of a scale of 10 accuracy comes from. He immediately reclassified to 220 from 2026 to 2025, Brandon. 
know if you noticed this, but he immediately became the number two quarterback in the class, Mm -hmm. immediately became a five-star. He's a great football player, Brandon. He's going to play great football for somewhere. I think he can have a career trajectory like Bryce Young at Alabama, and it would not surprise me one bit. Uh, The question is, is whether a lot of things will have to fall into place for him to be a dog. So let me ask you this. As you said before, there's no doubt if you ever wanted to be a player for Lewis, whether it be Georgia or somebody else, you've got to be, you know, kind of a sort of a big time NIL type program. From time to time, we sort of see these various programs sort of announce, okay, we're now a big time player on the scene. That's what people sort of thought Ole Miss was doing a little earlier this offseason with all their transfer portal halls. That's what some people assume that Ohio State just did with a bunch of its transfer portal additions. I sort of wonder if at, at some point Georgia also has its kind of introduction because you can be judicious and you can be somewhat cautious and you can be somewhat careful, but eventually you're not going to get the sort of players that you and I like talking about unless you are at least willing to be as aggressive on the NIL front as other programs are. Do you think that we're about to see over the course of the next year or so Georgia, who is, by the way, not being harmed by whatever it has been choosing to do NIL-wise, but do you think we're about to see Georgia kind of visibly appear to become more aggressive on the NIL front, whether it openly acknowledges that or not? Yeah, I just think it gets hard, Brandon, because look at look. At, here's the unlikely factor of this recruitment for me. I hold the belief that I think Gunnar Stockton and Ryan Puglisi are going to play great football for Georgia, and you're talking about maybe the next – two to three years down the line there for both of those young men. You Let's say you have a haymaker NIL deal and Julian decides, you know what? NFL development, trying to get balls past Ellis Robinson and DeMello Jones and KJ Bolden every day in practice is going to make me better for the NFL. The family places a value on that. Um, it's just going to be tough to bring in a freshman still at a significant NIL number when he's not likely to play for one year, two years as well. And then that's going to create a whole lot of dominoes for your other positions. One of the things I wrote about this week is I'm looking at the wide receiver position, Brandon, for the 2025 class. And you're really, I'm almost convinced right now, Brandon, you're not going to get a top 10 wide receiver anymore in this climate unless you have a high NIL NIL offer. And I think if that will, if, if the only way that Georgia getting in early, great Brian McClendon relationship, prioritization, Travis Smith Jr. loves the block. He loves all things Georgia. The only way that will change is if you get a Travis Smith. And for me, if Georgia doesn't sign that young man, I don't see them getting any more elite wide receivers except out of the portal in the years to come. I want to talk about David Sanders here in a moment, who I believe you've got a good story coming from uh, about on dognation.com here. But prior to that, give me just a quick sort of thumbnail of the other visitors to Georgia here this weekend. I believe we're coming up on a dead period, so this is among the last chances to sort of impress guys here for a little while. Basketball games off in the backdrop for that. We're looking forward to seeing Georgia beat South Carolina on Saturday. We're still on the bandwagon here. Uh, but give me a quick thumbnail on, in addition to Lewis, who else is maybe coming in here this weekend? Yeah, I think you got to look at the Bam- Bama breach, Brandon. That's what I call. I love it. How can I'll Georgia step? How can Georgia step into the fray with – Nick Saban no longer recruiting in Tuscaloosa. This is a loaded year for prospects in Alabama. I believe they have 10 prospects inside the top 125. And is it going to be Georgia that capitalizes the most out of that? Or is it going to be Auburn? Uh, You got Zion Grady, the number one edge in the country. He's going to be coming to Athens this weekend. You got another great linebacker, Eric Winters. Jaden Perlotti is still going to be there. 
Um, it's a good list, Brandon, and not as good as the one from a couple weeks back. Um, Tyler Atkinson, a really talented yeah. linebacker, actually came in on Wednesday to watch that basketball game with Alabama that didn't go the good guy's way. But for them and what George is trying to do with junior days, I think they're just trying to put a good wrap on the recruiting season. And for, for really this 2025 class, I think the state of Alabama is wide open. It's not just him. There's Jared Smith, an edge out of Alabaster, uh, Alabama Thompson High School. You've got Alvin Henderson. You've got a lot of players inside the state state of Alabama that – and, Brendan, this is kind of shocking for me. I looked at the top 10 players in the state of Alabama right now. Not a single one of those is committed to Alabama. Mm. Uh, you've also got Naeem Offord, who is basically – the number one quarter cornerback in the country out of Parker High School in Birmingham. Ohio State really wants him. Georgia really wants him. LSU really wants him. That'll be a dogfight for somebody to come in there and win that one. But the fact that Alabama has an opening here where you can really take advantage of a good year of recruits for the state and maybe Georgia might get – this is what I wrote about this week, Brandon. I've, ha- I've long held the theory that you got to tip your hat to Saban and Alabama and what they've done and how many games they've won, and all the championships and all the NFL pipeline. And I always thought because of that, Kirby Smart and Georgia was playing, were playing catch-up. Now, they caught up a whole lot in the last two years. But I always thought there were two or three players, elite players every year, that if not for Saban in Alabama, Georgia was going to get that guy. So this year, <clears throat> this year, this cycle is a year that puts that to the test for me about will this theory kind of play itself out? Do the dogs get an extra player or two from Alabama? I forgot to mention Anquan Newboy Feagans, another guy at Thompson High School, another place that Kirby Smart has visited over the last month in terms because it's an open, it's a visitation period as well. So, so many players in Alabama, I think Georgia's going to get its share and maybe a national recruit as well. And that's why I think good things are going to eventually materialize for the 2025 class. Like you said earlier in your – your, one of your earlier segments about, you know, there's no real peers for Georgia in college football. Well, I think that's certainly true on the recruiting trail. And maybe this is the year Georgia gets an extra recruit or two more than they normally get in their Christmas stocking just because of the void left by Nick Saban in Alabama. Speaking of good things that could happen in the class of 2025, I believe you've got a good story coming for us at dognation.com. David Sanders, the uh, elite offensive line prospect. I believe Georgia was in home with Sanders here this week. Um, where do things stand with David here right now, Jeff? So David, uh, he took one visit to Clemson uh, for a junior day. And Clemson's really trying, Brandon. I don't know if you've watched Matt Luke, but yeah. he's had added two offensive line commitments um, in recent days. And he wants to kind of put together his own, like, Tiger cartel or whatever they're calling it, of offensive linemen to protect for their quarterbacks. But, <clears throat> you know, the thing with David is David, his family has told me that this is a year, the junior year is always the hardest academically for a lot of high school students. And he's got a lot of work in the classroom. He's also rehabbing a shoulder injury. One of the best stories we could tell about David, besides the fact that he could be a five-star tight end, a five-star defensive end, and he's also a five-star defensive tackle, um, is that he really played the whole last season under duress. He had a torn labrum. Mm-hmm. He had shoulder surgery right after the right after the season when Providence Day won their third straight North Carolina Independent Schools Association state title. Um and I think he's had to, to really be on the mend. You hadn't seen him out and about a lot. He's focused on his studies. He's focused on his rehab. Uh, I don't think you'll see him at a lot of the prospect camps 
Brandon, next month is when all the Under Armour camps open up. There's one next weekend, I believe, in Orlando. Atlanta's the following weekend as well. So I don't think you'll see David Sanders participate in all those, but let's make no mistake about it, Brandon. Not just what Robert Gethers had to say. We had some comments from him on Before the Hedges earlier this week about how special a prospect David Sanders is. And he will always be, Brandon. He is one of the elite recruits I have ever seen in my career covering Georgia football recruiting now, going all the way back day to day since 2015. Um, just a special, special football player. Gathers said he's never seen a prospect <clears throat> quite like him ever. And think about this. When Gathers said that, I kind of gathered all that in. I went and looked at the 20, 20, 2001 class that Gathers came in with to Georgia. Gathers went and played 11 seasons in the NFL. The Cincinnati Bengals had him as one of their top 50 Bengals of all time. But that 2001 recruiting class, gosh, it seems so long ago to say that. But that was DJ Shockley, Thomas Davis, Greg Blue, David Pollock, Fred Gibson, among other notables. Odell Thurman was in that class. And Gathers told me that he's never seen a prospect quite like David Sanders. You look at this video right here. This was last season. Mm. And, you know, we always talked about on the show that you can look at the seating chart at Georgia, kind of like the Oscars. Yeah. And you kind of figure out who gets that front row. Who is Georgia saying, you're an absolute dude for us. You're an absolute priority. <clears throat> Not only did David get the front row, but his mom and dad and his three darling sisters also got the front row. And he's felt like a priority from Georgia from the jump. Georgia's coaches were at Providence Day in Charlotte yesterday. Coach Smart and Coach Cyril's. I think they offered three or four of his teammates. This guy is the number one top target in the class. And he is a special football player. I want to try to squeeze in two topics before we let you go here. If I were to ask you, of the 2025 commits for Georgia, which one I'm the most fascinated by right now, I'm not quite so sure you would necessarily guess it. But for me, that's Elias, Elias Williams. And my theory yeah. about Williams is is that you know you hear from a lot of people this past year, You know, Camden County went on a little bit of a surprise run through the playoffs. That wing T, and obviously Jeff Heron's announced his retirement, but that wing T was just baffling a lot of the teams they were playing. And I, what I was hearing was is that Williams was really kind of propelling a lot of that, you know, in the blocking game, things like that. I don't want to get out in front here too much. I sort of feel like he could be like another Darnell Washington a little bit, you know, big, giant tight end who's obviously a pass-catching threat, but also like a real weapon in the running game. And I just think that Williams, if, if he's not already, is going to be a real fan favorite once Georgia fans sort of realize this is sort of like Darnell Jr. here a little bit. But it also sounds like, you know, a few of these other programs, as they want to do, are trying to come in state and trying to get in Williams' ear here a little bit. So just give me – you had a blurb on this in one of your stories here this week. Give me a little bit on just sort of Williams and then, you know, just the work that George is having to do right now to hold on to some of these guys currently committed for the class of 2025. Yeah, Brandon, I think, like, we kind of got past worrying about this around the 2017-2018 cycle at Georgia – Elias Williams has been committed to Georgia since last April. Um, and let's clutch our pearls here collectively, Dog Nation. Um, gasp. Other schools are going to try to come in and try to flip him away from Georgia. That'll be illegal. That'll be, listen, I mean, the, the nerve of these people. That'll be illegal. It makes you want to walk around your brand new studio and start throwing stuff like Roadhouse or something right. like that. Right, Brandon? Right, it does. But like... FSU, that's a that's a money whip program. Let's go ahead and kind of label label the Indiana Jones type money whip programs with the bullwhip. But FSU's trying, Miami's trying a lot. A lot of schools are going to try. 
But I think uh, one of the things that Georgia has going for it is the Darnell Washington example, the Brock Bowers example. Talking to Elias, he kind of fancies himself, as most would do. Here's another shocker. He fancies himself as more of a playmaking tight end like Brock sure, Bowers. Sure he does. Than a stop like defensive, uh, extra offensive tackle like Darnell Washington, who's actually getting gamefully paid right now. Might, might be He might have the ability to make – Arthur Smith's run game look a lot better for the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> Which would be the greatest miracle of all, by the way. Yeah, you want to talk about miracles. But they're going to try. I think a lot of schools are going to try. They're going to give their NIL. They're going to give their pitch. They're going to say, hey, they, dude, they got Jaden Riddell there. They got Oscar Delp there. They got Boston Lucky there. They got Pierce Sperling there. But Georgia's got a Hartley, and that's Todd Hartley, who's going to recruit the uh, breaks off of Elias and still keep recruiting him like he's – uncommitted and undecided that's the way you get it done uh you look at hartley's offer board for 2025 with recruits at tight end brennan he's all he's only offered five hmm. and that tells me a lot about what he thinks about the precariousness of ethan barbour and elias williams as well coming into the fold of course hartley's probably working on 28 28 2028 tight ends right now and he's probably got a short list of three understudies should anything happen with one of his 2025 commits. The man does his job so well, but um, Elias is really talented and he's one of those, Brandon, we kind of forget the guy's a five-star and the number one tight end in the country. Of course, these schools are going to come after him. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Last thing. I thought you had a great story this week at dognation.com kind of looking at kind of a Georgia Alabama comparison of, Hey, these programs that bring in elite players, there's now more to that. You've got to be able to retain them as well. We saw this, you know, last couple of years in terms of the elite recruit that Georgia brings in. We're all excited about it. Those of us who are fans, you know, thrilled about that. And yet if they're not play right away, guys, oftentimes they're getting anxious and they're darting out the door and you almost feel like you never really got to know them. Um, what did you kind of find when you got under the hood more on this in terms of Georgia in comparison to other programs such as Alabama with their retention rate of the elite players they're able to sign? Yeah, Brandon, that's one of those things where I, I kind of look at something and I just don't go, heck, this is happening. This is odd. I kind of try to search for the reason why. I try to still be a capital J journalist at, at times, as much fun as we like to have. And I thought it was shocking, Brandon. I think the main thing that was shocking is that if you look, it was not just Georgia. You know, people could look and I looked at Georgia's attrition rate. And the first thing that jumped out to me was 2022 and Georgia only had 16 of the 30 guys they signed left. You know, there's a Bear Alexander situation there. There's a lot of situations there. I don't think Georgia recruited the offensive line very well at all. In 2022, there were a lot of projects, but I, I noticed that I thought that this was just big boy recruiting and what it's like at Georgia. And then you heard comments from Kirby Smart this past season where Kirby was going, you know, you probably only need, you probably, if you don't have a guy that's played after their second or third season in your program, they probably need to move on so they can continue their career. And Kirby said also the fact that he he really looks at his roster now as a year-to-year -year prospect. Like, you you don't know what you're going to have two or three years down the road. And then I saw Alabama and the Saban thing, and that was a deluge of portals, <clears throat> transfers, whatever you want to call it. And I was like, okay, now is that a Saban thing? Is that a Georgia thing? Is that life on top of the mountain in the SEC, college football, and recruiting? And then I started looking at the rest of the SEC – and Brandon, I found it fascinating that most of the conference, the top eight recruiting ranked teams in the conference in that cycle, you look at them, they're all like 45%, 55%, 58%, 
They're everyone is losing their players. They're all losing their players. And Brandon, I've long held the belief that the longer you keep players in their pro in your program, bigger, faster, stronger, developing practice field, um, <clears throat> film room, the immersion of the Georgia way happens. And the longer you keep those guys there and then they finally start, the better off your program will be. The more veteran guys you have that are 21, 22 years old that are on your football team and you're about to play a big game, you have an advantage when you've got more guys that have just been immersed in the Georgia way. They know how the coaches want it. They know what they do here. You know what the call here. You know the check here. It's just been ingratiated into you. And when those guys move out, I think it weakens programs like that. And I looked at the top 25, excuse me, the top 10 classes in 2022, Brandon, and really everybody is experiencing this. I think Ohio State's done a good a job as any, holding on to about 61% of its 2022 class. But you see a lot of things now where you got not only got to recruit the right players, Brandon, you got to retain the right players so you can develop them. And then if you have any sort of holes, and there will be holes, you got to look to the transfer portal to kind of spackle in those holes. But Kirby Smart even said this this past season, Brandon, is he said, when you bring in those players, sometimes you bring in all their bad habits or the what they learned at another school or what they learned with another coach. That that's not quite way the Georgia, the Georgia staff does it or teaches it or coaches it. So then you have a learning curve there. Kirby Smart articulated that he'd much rather have his guys to kind of sit on the vine and marinate like a Jared Wilson, Brandon, like a Dylan Fairchild, like a Micah Morrison, like an Amarius Mims even, Brandon. Those guys waited and they soaked up all the Georgia football they could, all the House of Pain, all the Scott Sinclair, and then they were war daddies by the time their junior and senior seasons rolled around. And I think that's getting harder and harder to do in college football. And I think it's really just casualties of the NIL era, era but it's also casualties of the immediate eligibility for transfers. I think there's a roster churn happening in both directions, Brandon. You've got the big fish kind of going to go to the middle fish and fill in their holes. But then you've got the big fish looking down to the group of fives and the smaller fish going, hey, mm -hmm. that guy is really stinking good. We couldn't guard him. Look at Georgia with Missouri. Look at Georgia with uh, Mississippi State and Ra Ra Thomas a couple years ago. Look at Georgia with Vanderbilt and London Humphreys. They're like, we need that guy. We don't have a guy like that. So then they take from the middle fish, and then everybody starts going in each direction, trying to fill in their rosters consequently. I think it's fascinating, Jeff. It's a well-researched, deep-dive story. People should read it at dognation.com. We appreciate you writing it. As we said before, we know you've got great stuff coming in the days to ahead, too. 2025 recruiting cycle really starting to take shape. I think it's a fun one for Georgia. You said it this week. A lot of big-time names in state, a lot of line of scrimmage guys, and it's all out there for the taking right now, and it's all available for you. Absolutely free, by the way, at dognation.com. So really, really strong stuff. Jeff, thanks for your time. It's great to see you on video. You sound great. Uh, appreciate uh, all of that. Just a really fun time and so we will look forward to also getting a chance to talk to you soon good see you buddy you look cozy at that new studio man i appreciate it jeff thanks a lot let's take a look around the rest of the league this is sec through so as many of you know we're getting used to a new studio here and there's always i think probably for, more so for me anybody else that thing of you know what how do you finally make this feel home how do you finally make this feel like you know you're sort of cozy again as jeff 
just said a moment ago. Well, I don't know there's anything that sort of makes me feel we are so back more than like a 30-something minute recruiting conversation with Jeff Zintel. Like, we are now back. This is this studio has now been officially christened. This is our home. We It is now the Dog Nation Daily Studio because we just went 30-something minutes on recruiting as we have been for Fridays now for seemingly you know years and years and years and years. So really strong stuff for Jeff Zintel. And I would say now... We are truly at home in the Dog Nation uh, uh, World Headquarters Studios after a marathon recruiting conversation with Jeff Sintel there, right there. And by the way, if you come on the Dog Nation cruise, you can ask all the questions you want to to Jeff. The same way I just did, pepper him with one, one right after the other. You can do that uh, all week long on board Allure of the Seas. And speaking of the Dog Nation cruise and speaking of Royal Caribbean, let's go cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And yesterday, I'm telling you, everywhere I go, this is... This is true. Like when I do my, you know, little ad reads type things here, I try to come from an honest place. What I'm saying to you right now is the honest truth. Everywhere I go, everyone is talking to me about Icon of the Seas. Yesterday, someone not related to the show, not related to the media business, uh, said, I heard you were on Icon of the Seas. What was it like? I, I have never seen something that has kind of become so aware there's so much awareness of this cruise ship right now obviously the first you know official sailing was this week we had a chance to be on a little bit of a preview sailing the other day and if you're watching video you see more of the examples here this is just such an amazing vessel largest cruise ship ever constructed i think the way you see that show up is with the various neighborhoods and by the way have a nice little look there at perfect day coco k too the private island now the great thing is if you're on the dog nation cruise we're going to perfect day coco k we'll have that experience there many of you know there's nothing i love more then Perfect Day Coco K will be there. And if you get a chance to be on, on board Icon of the Seas, I hope you'll do that too. Or if you hear me talking about Icon, I hope it also gets you excited about Allure of the Seas, another majestic cruise ship that will, will be on board in April. So Jessica Slater, a travel agent, she's got you covered on all that. You can give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. You can also email her. Jay Slater at dreamvacations.com, uh, website royaldogs.com. Really find out why Royal Caribbean is such a fun thing here in 2024 and find out how you can be a part of our Dog Nation cruise in April. Sure enough, Mike will be there, uh, Jeff will be there, I'll be there, so many of the Dog Nation folks are going to be there. We're all going to have a great time and we want you on board with us. So make sure you check out Jessica. She's, by the way, totally free to work with. Royal Caribbean pays her for her expertise to help you. And so uh, reach out to her, and we'll see you on the Dog Nation cruise coming up in April. All right, cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean right now. And I have to say that thus far, I am really enjoying the Kalen DeBoer era thus far in Alabama. I love nothing more. And this is spiteful. This is petty. As I said before, I wish I was a better person. I am, though, as God made me. Uh, I do enjoy watching the sort of pensive, nervous, anxiousness on the part of Alabama fans trying to feel better about things after the Nick Saban era came to an end. All-time great coach. Alabama fans know what it feels like to live in the past. They've been doing this for a while. Now they're forced to as it relates to the Nick Saban era, all completely in the rearview mirror. And the hopes they have that the Kalen DeBoer era can get started in a really strong way. There are all these little hiccups here and there that just sort of prevent them from fully feeling that way. The latest example of this is the idea of Ryan Grubb, who admittedly is a strong offensive coordinator hire. The kind of thing that Kalen DeBoer was able to bring with him from Seattle as the Washington coach to Alabama. Grubb was his coordinator there with the Huskies. But speaking of Seattle, there are 
substantial, where we say credible rumors out there right now, credible reports that Grubb could be a candidate to go back to Seattle and become offensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks. I don't know if this is going to happen. I don't know if this is true, but I love the idea that Alabama fans are forced to worry about that. We are right now in what is admittedly a little bit of a football-free time. We're kind of post-conference championship games. We're pre-Super Bowl. We haven't gotten fully to the NFL draft yet. We're kind of in a little bit of a, a lull for the recruiting part of all of this. So we're sort of grabbing whatever football we can. And right now, the most entertaining thing that's out there are the worrisome look on the face of Alabama fans but the fact that you know, they lost their best player in Caleb Downs. They may be losing their offensive coordinator. I do find some entertainment value in that, and I'm hoping you're doing the same thing. We don't know if Grubb's leaving, but we will laugh at Alabama if he does. Now, something that's probably not worth laughing about, but is certainly uh, kind of interesting and serious, and that is what's going on with Tennessee. I mean, I guess you can laugh about this if you want to. Uh, obviously, a second NCAA investigation you know, against them, that's probably pretty funny. But beyond that, there's also the response that Tennessee he's offering to all of this athletic director Danny White firing back now I I just think that like where all of this is going I think is probably pretty interesting I want to read you the statement from White here because it's forceful as you would imagine it would be it's clearly an example of Tennessee ready to fight on all of this I probably can't read all of this because it's pretty long but White says the NCAA generally does not comment on infractions cases because there is a rule against it. However, that's not stopped them in the past from leaking information to the media as they did this week about us. What he's referencing there is, is the rumors that a private jet flight for Nico Emile with a quarterback that eventually signed with Tennessee resulted uh, in these sort of second round of NCAA investigations. Uh, against Tennessee, and so White's calling out the NCAA for leaking information about that case. But he basically goes on to say uh, the whole process is obviously silly and not productive, as is blaming the membership. He means a member of the NCAA, which Tennessee obviously is, whenever they are challenged. We need to be spending our time and energy on solutions to better organize college athletics in the NIL era, something that the NCAA leadership has failed to do back in 2021. White says this is the Tennessee AD, student athletes, prospective student athletes, coaches, and administrators across the country deserve better, he says. And I refuse to allow the NCAA to irrationally use Tennessee as an example for their own agenda. I believe he means uh, its own agenda, but nonetheless, uh, grammar aside, uh, that is the story uh, as it relates to Danny White and the NCAA right there. Tennessee pretty clearly willing to fight back. Now, a couple quick thoughts on this. The NCAA may have leaked details about its investigation of Tennessee, but this also probably starts because Tennessee, or at least somebody close to Tennessee in the NIL or whatever, the the collective, whatever else, kind of leaked the details, alleged details of their uh, agreement with Ema Laban. They were more than happy to have this big multi-million dollar figure being thrown around. And that has seemingly kind of what got the NCAA interested in this because it's a similar situation with Florida, which we'll talk more about here coming up in a moment. But clearly, Tennessee's willingness to be noisy in the uh, recruitment of, uh, of Nico Imaleva has kind of gotten the NCAA's attention. Like, you ever see the movie uh, American Gangster where the Denzel Washington character has the, like, really fancy coat and he wears it to the Ollie Frazier fight and that gets the attention of the cops on him and he goes and throws the coat in the fireplace because he was mad that he drew undue attention to himself. Pretty good movie. One of Denzel's better roles, I think, uh, worth watching if you haven't seen it. This sort of feels like what Tennessee has done here. 
they've walked around with way too fancy of a coat and they've been a little bit too proud of themselves and all of a sudden it's drawn them some undue attention. Now, listen, I think the NCAA is kind of dumb for what they're doing. And frankly, I still don't completely understand why the NCAA is doing any of this. But, you know, to a certain extent, it certainly appears that Tennessee brought this on themselves. Another story unrelated to NIL, but also kind of interesting, is what's happening at Kentucky right now, where offensive coordinator Liam Cohen, who we believe is one of the better play callers in the entire SEC, so much so that he has been mentioned now as a candidate for several jobs. We talked the other day about the possibility he may be going to the NFL. Those rumors are still out there as it relates to a multitude of teams. But now we talked about Jeff Halfley leaving Boston College, that head coaching job open there. Uh, there is some chatter that Cohen could be a candidate to become Boston College head coach. Don't know if he will. But boy, if Cohen were to leave Kentucky, all these rumors would seem to suggest that's a strong possibility. Where does that leave Brock Vandegriff? And you just have to wonder how much Vandegriff knew about Cohen's status before he made the decision to go to Kentucky. We talked yesterday about uh, Hugh Freeze essentially defending himself at Auburn for not taking a transfer quarterback. I don't mind telling you, there are plenty of people over the course of the last few months that thought Vandegrift was going to go to Auburn. Now, why he didn't, we'll never know, I don't guess. Uh, and, you know, why Kentucky was a better option. Perhaps a play caller like Liam Cohen, one of the reasons why that might have been true. Well, what if Cohen's not there? What does that mean exactly? I don't know. Uh, I mean, what we have kind of thought was is that Vandegrift being at Kentucky made that game for Georgia more interesting. And frankly, any team that has to play Kentucky this year, uh, that's also just a more interesting game with what we think is a really capable quarterback like Brock Vandegrift leading the Wildcats. But if you're Vandegrift thinking you're going to be going to play for this sort of NFL style, really NFL level offensive mind, and if Cohen's not there, we have seen what Kentucky's offenses look like in the sort of non-Liam Cohen years, and that's not always a very impressive thing with Mark Stoops as head coach. So if you're interested in the future of Brock Vandegrift, the decision of Cohen, does he stay in Lexington, does he take one of these other jobs, that is probably definitely worth following. Then I'll mention this. We talked earlier about, uh, or just a couple of seconds ago, about the NCAA looking at a very noisy recruitment of Nico Imaleva, getting interested in that, fairly or not, as it relates to Tennessee. Some of that same kind of stuff, too, when it comes to Florida's recruitment of Jaden Rashada. Once again, more than happy to have these giant figures thrown around, very aggressive, very chest out in all of this, and the NCAA is now investigating Florida, too. So if you're a Georgia fan, you sort of kick back and relax here and watch the NCAA go after Tennessee and go after Florida, and you probably love all of that. Well, uh, Florida, as a response to this, has now fired its NIL director. His name is Marcus Castro-Waller. So Florida clearly you know, having to force to, to respond here. They may be, in their mind, unfairly investigated too, but once again, willingness to brag, willingness to strut around a little bit, look what we're doing. By the way, for a player they ultimately didn't even get, I mean, there is nothing more Florida than this getting in trouble with the NCAA for recruitment for a player that didn't even go to Florida. Like, that is chef's kiss marvelous, uh, but that is the story there right now. And we will make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And so as we wrap up here today, we will do so 
with a couple of golden shoes. I'll also tell you this here too. Yeah, you can hang, you can leave the golden shoe there for a minute, but let me let me give a quick uh, shout out here that uh, Georgia basketball on Saturday against South Carolina. Looking forward to being in the building for that. Actually, I won't be in the building for that, but looking forward to the game. I will be in Stegman Coliseum tonight though for the Gym Dogs. Excited about that. A chance to be in Athens, Georgia, Florida there in gymnastics. So we'll be uh, there if you're going to be there at Stegman tonight. If you see me, please make sure you say hello. I'd love to, to say hello to you and then we'll all be watching Georgia basketball on Saturday, although I will not be in the gym for that. Uh, Golden Shoe, though, here, our buddy Ryan Walker, who's always so great at like going back through the annals of history, he gives us this. He says, here's a picture of a young Jim Ross, that's the wrestling announcer known as good old JR, as a high school referee in Oklahoma before his career as a wrestling commentator took off. I don't know where Ryan Walker found that picture, but it's really fun. It's great to see. Of course, I think Jim Ross now battling a little bit of cancer here, so we send, send him prayers as he does that. One of our favorites there, also a big college football fan too. So good stuff from Ryan Walker. We'll give him a golden shoe for that really cool throwback of Jim Ross as a high school football official. Pretty fascinating to see. Uh, and then we talked to Connor about this a little earlier. Our good friend Abby, who begins our show each day, when you hear the today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by, most of those are done by Abby. Great Georgia fan, good friend of ours, terrific radio personality here in the Atlanta area. You can hear on B98.5. And she just got married this past weekend, and she had Harry Dog at her wedding. So how about this photo of her? Now, I don't typically dox people's weddings, but Connor, who was in attendance, gave me permission to do this. So I want to take this as uh, Abby's consent as well. So there you go. Abby uh, dancing with Harry Dog there at her wedding. I mean, an, uh, just an all-time great person, someone who's really been a great contributor to Dog Nation Daily over the years and is just a good a Georgia fan as you're going to find. Uh, you should follow her on social media, at Abby Jessen. She's terrific. And uh, we certainly congratulate her for what looks like a wonderful wedding ceremony, and they're out enjoying their honeymoon right now. So uh, much, much congratulations to them and a well-earned golden shoe there as well, which I know they will count as their greatest wedding gift. And lousy stinking gators, speaking of them, they're firing NIL staffers. they got all kinds of mess going on, and it's been 1,182 days since they've beaten the Georgia Bulldogs. That is why they are the lousy stinking gators, and that is why we do the Gator Hater Updater here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Y'all have a great weekend. We will look forward to seeing you back here again on Monday.